Today's Distortion Dad's Wheel of Subgenre episode looks at a decade or more of changes in the sound of metalcore beyond what we already spoke about in Metalcore Part 1. How does Metalcore Part 2 differ? We look at eight genre-defining bands who put out their first albums from 2005 to 2016 and are still putting new music out today. Who are they? One just did a collaboration with Ed Sheeran. Another jump-started their career thanks to a Taylor Swift song. We then introduced six new-to-us Metalcore 2 bands, one of which just released their debut album this year, and another that uses an instrument not commonly heard in metal. We end the episode by choosing six Distortion Dads designated ditties for volunteer listeners to react to, and read them to each other live. Will they like what they hear? And what will be our next metal subgenre to explore? All this, and more on today's Distortion Dad's Wheel of Subgenres episode for Metalcore Part 2. I'm Greg. And I'm Matt. And you're listening to the Distortion Dads. Welcome back to another episode of Distortion Dads. We're dads who want to share the vast world of metal with others through our podcast episodes. These include deep dives into all of the metal subgenres and their genre-defining bands and sounds, themed playlist episodes with 20 metal songs around a common theme, and storyline episodes touching on metal topics of yesterday and today. Every episode also has a playlist of songs that can be found on the Distortion Dad Spotify page. We also have an Instagram account, at Distortion Dads. There you can find all of the links to all of the episodes and playlists. So next, we're going to do a little bit of feedback and housekeeping, try and get all that stuff out of the way. Before we get into the subgenre, I'm happy to finally read our first feedback from a listener that enjoys what we do finally getting around to listening to the metalcore episode definitely educational i like how the structure is evolving you guys are finding your flow eagerly awaiting a couple of my favorite subgenres well thank you james we appreciate the feedback and hopefully we do hit some of your subgenres here in the near future yeah thanks a lot james so now we need to get into a recap of our last episode. So, Matt, what happened in our last episode? Our last episode that James is referring to is Metalcore Part 1. We went through a brief history, definition, eight genre-defining bands, and six new-to-us bands. And as we were doing Metalcore Part 1, we realized that it was that the genre was much too big to fit into one episode. So we decided to make part two, and here we are. Here we are. Also in that episode, we did introduce the listener reaction, so stay tuned for that in this one as well. So yeah, what do you think? Let's get into today's subgenre. Let's do it. All right, for the metal subgenre episodes, we have a wheel of subgenres that we spin to randomly select the subgenre of choice. We go through a definition, a brief history, 
before going into the genre-defining bands. Today's Wheel of Subgenres episode is on Metalcore Part 2. We had to split, again, we had to split Metalcore into two parts because of the distinct change in sound. But before we get into the subgenre, let's start with some initial reactions from us after listening to, again, a plethora of old and new Metalcore music and putting today's episode together. Greg, what was your initial reaction? Oh, frankly, I owe almost all of these bands an apology. When I realized that we needed to do this next episode of Metalcore, I really didn't want to do it. I didn't want to put myself through it. I didn't want to listen uh-huh. to these bands. Uh-huh. Um, you know, since the late 2000s, I lumped all of these new Metalcore bands into a, a very strict descriptive term. Okay. Fallout Boy with breakdowns. and you know like it was really weird i couldn't stand the clean vocals it sounded too whiny too nasally uh you know i was wondering what happened to howard what happened to jesse phil matt looking back i guess you could say i was becoming a metal snob you know i felt like the old man shaking my stick at the kids telling them to get off my front lawn you know i liked what i liked and that was it uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It just, when you're listening to metal, metal has so many nuances that you can't just be narrow-minded in that respect. But anyway, mm-hmm. I was so put off by this new style of metalcore that looking back on it now, it seems really weird. And the reason why it seems really weird is because I listen to all sorts of music. So I don't know how I didn't get into the subgenre. Anyway, uh, I despised it so much that I left the subgenre completely in the dust and planted my flag firmly in uh, melodic death metal and death metal. Talk about going to extremes. Around this time, I was also slamming bands like Bring Me the Horizon, Asking Alexandria, because, you know, they started off as quasi-deathcore bands. And then all of a sudden, you know, in the blink of an eye, they became pop rock bands. How bands do that, I will never know. But now I can admit that I was wrong. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. I went through all of the genre-defining bands' discographies multiple times, sometimes front to back, back to front, all that sort of stuff, and realized what I was missing over the years and why this part of this subgenre exploded like it did. I also realized that the transitions for those uh, said bands weren't as drastic as I once thought they were. Yeah, I, I can totally relate. Honestly, some of that because you know we were we were real good friends. I mean, we still are real good friends, but I hope so. We were big musical friends back then, and very influential on each other as far as what we listened to. You know, certainly at this time during these debut and and pivotal releases of some of these bands, I do remember having personal reasons, like you, why I was disinterested. Mm-hmm. Right, um, not fond of the change in sound. Being a huge fan of of Killswitch Engage and the massachusetts metal right i don't i couldn't get into the the noticeable shift and i i don't necessarily remember what those personal reasons are but i do recall focusing more on other metal subgenres or just other musical genres in uh, altogether it was really great to reconnect with metalcore through uh these latest wave of bands that we're calling metalcore part two Over the course of months of research and scouring Spotify for old and new bands, I really did find a new love for this subgenre. I'm coming in with more of an open mind, of course, for this podcast, but 
know, I went through and and found songs that maintain the positive messaging of metalcore one and the lyric style that have come to define uh, the subgenre. I found songs that I can share with my daughter. Like the other day, she was cleaning her room and I was walking by and heard Mind Reader by A Day to Remember. So it's like, wow, I, I can't argue with that. I'm remembering how accessible this genre is, really. Even more so now, to be honest, with all the growth that Metalcore has seen in the past decade or two uh, sonically. Now, really, I'm super psyched to talk about this subgenre today and share it with our listeners in hopes that they also find a connection with Metalcore. Yeah, me too. I, I can't wait to get through the bands and, you know, I would love to be able to look at the look at the faces of our listeners as they're uh, going through some of these, but we'll have to wait and see if they put some things in the comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First, let's go over a, a quick recap of definition for uh, a full rundown of the subgenre definition, all the sources that went into this. Tune into Metalcore Part 1. But a summary might be that metallic hardcore incorporated heavy riffs, chugs, or breakdowns, fast alternate note riffs during the verse with distorted growl vocals. More generally, the chorus has longer held chords and clean anthemic vocals. From Metalcore 1, the hardcore-leaning bands may sprinkle in gang chants. Uh, Bands stemming from the mid-2000s incorporated fast guitar solos with maybe pinch harmonics. And uh, certainly core to Metalcore Part 2, um, they introduce much more electronic and synth accompaniments uh, with their sound. And lyrically, this subgenre does seem to be does seem to incorporate more positive lyrics uh, more than any other metal subgenre. So again, how does part one differ from part two? Really, it's the electronic and synth lead. Or accompanying parts. I think more so we have clean vocals utilized more than the growls or distorted vocals. To me, that is central to metalcore that you have the balance of the two. But for part two, we'll say um, more clean singing. And one thing we noticed more so the, the full albums were more a mix of, we'll say, a few definite metalcore style songs with other types of songs that are maybe all electronic or all clean vocal songs. Um, And so that kind of grazed the line of, right, should this be, should this band be considered for metalcore? But in general, um, the bands that we chosen, we firmly believe are metalcore part two. So there's a quick rundown of, of the metalcore definition. And Greg's going to go over a brief history. So again, Check out Metalcore Part 1 for the full history breakdown. You know, I I go back into the 80s, the 90s, and cover up till today. So at this point, Metalcore was multiplying and dividing, you know, exponentially. And, you know, there were so many bands out there that it was hard to keep track of them. And a lot of them were incorporating different styles of music and creating, you know, sub-subgenres. Uh, such as electronic core and death core, among others. Um, and pretty soon you had a melting pot of bands that expanded the subgenre bigger than just about any other subgenre. Yeah. Um, except for maybe new, new method. Sure. Yeah. Um, also, this was the boom of the MySpace bands. If you're old enough to remember MySpace, then you remember that you had a profile, you were able to have a song on there, or maybe even, you know, th- 
three or four songs. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of bands use this so that they could get their new music out there. They they could get their demos. They could get uh, new songs. And, you know, everybody could listen to them. And this was kind of the new tape trading scene that if you remember from the 80s and the 90s, almost all of the bands in this scene can be considered successful DIYers because a lot of times their demos, their first albums, they were put together by them, you know, money out of their pocket, that sort of thing. Um, You also had the advent of a lot of recording software and things like that. Right. So bands were able to do it from home instead of getting into all these studios. Mm -hmm. So in this episode, we have assembled a collection of bands that are as important under the umbrella of metalcore as they are diverse. So there's a rundown of today's subgenre. Now we're going to focus on the bands that help shape the subgenre to make it what it is today. Uh, Our genre-defining bands. As has become standard for a Wheel of Subgenres episode, we start with the genre-defining bands. Who is critical in forming the sound? What makes them genre-defining versus other bands in the scene? What songs do we recommend listening to beyond the popular tracks on media platforms? Uh, We also incorporate now um, some analytics on the subgenre band listeners across six media platforms. We're talking about Spotify monthly listeners. YouTube subscribers, Last.fm listeners, Pandora monthly listeners, Facebook followers, and Twitter followers. So who's got the most followership? It does seem like a popularity contest, right? But millions of people can't be wrong for what sounds good. Um, So if you're listening on Spotify, we do embed a chosen song for you to hear after introducing the band. And as always, you can find today's episode playlist on the Distortion Dad's Spotify page. So today we have another eight genre-defining bands from Metalcore Part 2, and we'll start with band number one, Bullet For My Valentine. So Bullet For My Valentine is from Wales. They formed in 2002 and released their first album, The Poison, in 2006. They have since released eight albums, and the analytics for Bullet For My Valentine's show a total followership of 16.4 million people, which across the full spectrum of metalcore bands that we that we listed uh, for both episodes ended up being number two. Number two for Bullet For My Valentine. They do have a gold certified platinum in The Poison, which happened on January 30th, 2009. Their highest Billboard 200 position was number three for the album Fever. They have a large collection of awards, just a few of them mentioned here, Metal Hammer Golden God Awards in 2006 and 2010, they were the best British band for the Kerrang! Awards. In 2005, they they were voted the best British newcomer band. In 2006, they had the best single for Tears Don't Fall. A number of years, they were voted the best British band and the best live band. And they did headline Kerrang's 25-year anniversary tour of the UK. Why is Bullet For My Valentine's genre-defining? So the band was a contender for um, 
hardcore genre-defining band of Metalcore 1, actually. So why are we including them in Metalcore 2? Well, the first song that they wrote as a renamed Bullet From My Valentine band was Four Words to Choke Upon. So in this song, it's, it's, it's a definition of Metalcore 1, actually. There's building guitar and drum intro, pick slide into the verse, uh, pinch harmonics then happen, alternating growls and clean vocals into a soaring chorus with harmonies and a gang chant. A breakdown section sets the stage for a crushing guitar solo and, and then a dive back into the chorus. And that's just the first song off, their, off of uh, the 2000 debut LP, Hand of Blood. So this song ended up being song number three on their debut album, The Poison. But The Poison also came with more radio-friendly hits like Tears Don't Fall. By the time of this recording, had racked up over 226 million plays on Spotify. That's just Spotify. Wow. And all these things I hate revolve around me, in my opinion, started a break from traditional metalcore. This was happening in 2006. With their next album, Scream Aim Fire, in 2008, you have an album that really shows them mixing metalcore and thrash elements with essentially radio ballads in Say Goodnight and Forever and Always. This is significant to me in solidifying them as a metalcore 2 genre-defining band and not metalcore 1. And again, they are second among total followership for all of the metalcore bands that we listed only to one of the other genre-defining bands, which we'll mention in a moment. So I would not have guessed that, but that's how the data shows. So just another couple of talking points about Bullet For My Valentine. The song Army of Noise, released on their 2015 album Venom, is also the name of their online community. And vocalist and lead guitarist Matthew Tuck has stated his biggest influence growing up was Metallica, but also bands like Nirvana, Pantera, Iron Maiden, and Def Leppard. So bands you may like if uh, if you're into Bolt for My Valentine, uh, I would say Avenged Sevenfold and Trivium. And the Distortion Dad's designated ditties for you to hear representing Bolt for My Valentine are Suffocating Underwords of Sorrow from The Poison 2006, Forever and Always from Scream and Fire 2008, Alone from Fever 2010, you Want a Battle, Here's a War from Venom 2015, Leap of Faith from Gravity in 2018, and Death by a Thousand Cuts from Bullet for My Valentine, the self-titled album they released in 2021. My favorite album from them is Scream, Aim, and Fire. It was released in 2008. It's the original album that I got into them on. Um, this did, again, have the main, the massive hit Scream, Aim, Fire, and hearts burst into fire. Uh, then getting into songs like Waking the Demon and Eye of the Storm. And of course, every guitar solo that Matt Tuck performs. He's an awesome guitar soloist, really. Um, the solos hit home for me for sure. Because that was about the time that I started playing guitar myself. As bad as I am, but hey. And then the album ends with essentially a metalcore ballad in uh, Forever and Always. Greg, uh... What's your favorite album from Bullet from My Valentine? So my favorite album by Bullet from My Valentine is Fever, which came out in 2010. So I had heard singles off of The Poison and Scream Aim Fire and all that stuff. And they were good. They were all right. I, I dug them. <laughs> uh, 
but my wife bought me the fever for my birthday. And as soon as I put it in and as soon as your betrayal starts, uh-huh. like that riff just gets you that hook from that point, I was hooked in, you know, started listening to the entire album. It was great. So when the album opened with your betrayal, it had this great energy to it that was there throughout the entire album. And even on some of the slower songs, like A Place Where You Belong and Bittersweet Memories, like you still had that energy, even though they were slower, you know, ballady type songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a great album, probably in my top 50 all time greatest albums. Nice. That is a good album. I, I agree. As far as the Spotify song goes, I chose a song off of Gravity, the album released in 2018. It has a much more electronic and synth elements than any other prior release or current release from Bullet For My Valentine. So I went out a little bit on a limb here having this song represent the band, but it does. It is a very good representation of them in Metalcore 2 styling. Leap of Faith is what the track is called. It's the opening track to this album. It's probably aptly titled because of how much uh, perceived departure it was for them sonically for the relative to their previous albums. The song has a classic metalcore message of not caving into hardships one might encounter. And with lyrics like, so fill your lungs, inhale the future that's screaming out, release the pressure. It's Leap of Faith by Bullet For My Valentine. All right, the next band that we're going to cover is A Day to Remember. A Day to Remember came from Florida. They formed in 2003. Their first album was And Their Name Was Treason in 2005. They have seven total albums. And their total followership is 12.1 million, which places them firmly in third place behind Bullet For My Valentine and somebody to be revealed later. So they have in the RIAA gold status, they have two songs in one album. The songs are I'm made of wax, Larry, what are you made of? Which became gold in uh, December of 2019. Have faith in me, which became gold in uh, April of 2017. And the album homesick, which became gold in March of 2016. Their highest Billboard 200 ranking was number two with Bad Vibrations. So some of the awards that they have had, they were nominated for several Associated Press and many smaller awards over the years. Mm -hmm. They were awarded or they were nominated for a Kerrang! Music Award in 2012 for Best International Band. Why are they genre-defining? Arguably, this band was also considered for Metalcore Part 1, but then we eventually came to our senses and gave them their rightful spot here in Metalcore Part 2. We were going to put them in Metalcore Part 1 because they fit the time frame, but then we realized that they didn't really fit the sound and style that we were looking for. They are the most notable and earliest band to mix pop-punk and Metalcore together. You may hear it in other bands, but if you listen to some of their songs, you would think that it was a pop punk band. Mm -hmm. And you listen to other songs, you'd think that it was a straight up metalcore band. Then you listen to others. And then, of course, obviously you have, you know, a good mix. But 
most of their most of their songs follow a similar blueprint, typically merging the pop punk element and with screaming and breakdowns. Uh, but on their first album, they established the precedence of also doing heavy songs and pop punk songs, but also some acoustic ballady songs. Uh, so I'm I'm a firm believer that when you set that precedence to begin with, that it's not as much of a shock as if you do it later on in your career. The vocalist Jeremy McKinnon, he is also a producer of other metalcore bands such as The Devil Wears Prada, For the Fallen Dreams, The Ghost Inside, Wage War, and also he produces a Day to Remembers album. The next thing I'm going to cover, it has to do with an interview with Music Choice back in 2012. Music Choice asked, does being pop punk and hardcore make putting a record together more difficult? And Jeremy McKinnon, the singer of the band, uh, said, A Day to Remember isn't as easy as just throwing out the best song on the record because you have to keep in mind that the people that like heavy music, especially since our band is doing so well, they're really easy to sway in a negative direction if it's presented the wrong way. We need to take care of those fans and make sure that they know that being heavy is still a part of our band. And that's still something we're thinking about constantly. Frankly, this gives me all sorts of warm and fuzzies inside because I've heard so many bands say that it's not about the fans. It's about what we want to do, putting out the best product, period, which is fine. I have no problem with a band that wants to put out the best product that they can. But when you have a band that caters to their fanship, that speaks volumes about the band because they're not trying to lose their old fans. They're not trying to lose their heavy fans. They want to make sure that they keep everybody there as one big cohesive family. And they're going to put songs on their records that are going to keep those fans there. That's a sacrifice that I think is awesome for from a band standpoint. So some other tidbits. The band's name was actually created by their original drummer. And in an interview, Wikipedia Fact or Fiction, Jeremy McKinnon said that they liked the band name so much but hated the drummer that they kicked him out and kept the name. So I thought that was kind of cool. A lot of the band's videos are funny and lighthearted. You see them acting goofy and doing all sorts of weird things. And even their uh, tough guy songs, you know, you still see them acting all loony and whatnot. So I, I like that. I like the fact that they, you know, don't take themselves too seriously. One of the bands that I found that you might like along with this is uh, a band called Boys of Fall. They're very obscure, very underground, but they have that same sound and same styling that a data remember has. I, I, I kind of dig them. Our distortion dads, designated ditties are Your Way With Words Is Through Silence from And Their Name Was Treason, Why Walk On Water When We Have Boats for Those Who Have Heart, Welcome To The Family from Homesick, You Be Tales, I'll Be Sonic from What Separates Me From You, the Document Speaks for Itself, from Common Courtesy, and The Last Chance to Dance, Bad Friend, from Your Welcome. So my favorite album is What Separates Me From You from 2010. 
I feel that this is when the band started firing on all cylinders. This is when everything started to come together. The writing, the musicianship, the production, the song style and structure and all that sort of stuff really came together. And there was so so many hits off of this one album that it's it, it's unreal for a metalcore band. And a few of those songs were Sticks and Bricks, All I Want, Second Sucks, All Signs Point to Lauderdale, UB Tales, I'll Be Sonic, and the, the pop punk heavy closer, If I Leave. It was really hard to narrow this album down to just one song later on, but you know, it's because there were so many good ones. I really love this album, but also I had to skip out another album up in the designated ditties that I'm not fond of. <laughs> so Matt, what was your favorite album? Nice. Yeah, that is a good album as well. Um, I enjoy that, but my, actually my favorite at least right now, some of them are tough. You go through phases, but it's it's the latest one. You're welcome, released in 2021. It's it's not the most metalcore album, or have the most metalcore songs on them. Um, maybe not even one of the most popular. We'll, we'll see. But I really like the diversity on this album. I think it's a perfect example of what Greg was saying. The interview from Jeremy McKinnon, how. Uh, the band strives to satisfy their fans, right, and and offer a variety of sounds to potential future fans. Uh, from the on this album, the, there's a heavy song called "Resentment," which is great, and they go all the way to an acoustic feel-good pop tune called "Everything We Need." This album truly has something to offer just about anyone. And like I said, my daughter is a is a big fan of Mind Reader and the song called "High Diving." So. I can listen to A Day to Remember that album with her. So that's my favorite album. You're welcome. <laughs> you can't argue with that. Uh, so the Spotify song that I chose was UB's Tales and I'll Be Sonic. I chose this song because it displays the balance that the band had tried to get between being a pop punk band and being a hardcore band. The song expresses how Jeremy realizes that things in the relationship with the girl are kind of going south and she doesn't see it. And if anybody's played the Sega Genesis game, Sonic the Hedgehog, then you know that Sonic was always faster than Tails. So the, the metaphor kind of speaks for itself where he realizes that things are going bad before she does. And um, so I, I just think it's a really, really great song, catchy chorus, great meaning, stuff like that. It's It's got a good story to it. I love it. And it comes off of my favorite album by them. All right. The next genre-defining band for Metalcore Part 2 is Bring Me the Horizon. They are from England. They formed in 2004. Their first album was Count Your Blessings in 2006. And since then, they have released eight studio, non-live, non-EP albums. From our analytics and other stats, they have accrued 21.7 million total followers across the six platforms, which places them firmly in first place of all of the metalcore bands that we had in the table. Number one, Bring Me the Horizon. Of course, if you're familiar with this band, you know they have a lot of accolades to their name including a gold album for That's the Spirit in June of 2018. And that same album hit number two on the Billboard 200. For awards, they also have a wide collection of both nominations and wins. 
In the Grammys, they too have two nominations, actually, in 2019 for the song Mantra in the category Best Rock Song. And in 2020, the album Amo was nominated for Best Rock Album. For the Kerrang! Awards, they have several wins for Best British Newcomer, Best Album for There's a Hell, There's a Heaven, uh, Best Video for Alligator Blood in 2012, and then Best British Bands for Multiple Years and Best Live Band as well. Many accolades for uh, Bring Me the Horizon. And this is just, just the Grammys and the Krangs. They have plenty of other Associated Press, NME, and other type of award show wins. Why are they genre-defining? Some of you, I know what you might be thinking. Really? You're considering Bring Me the Horizon Metalcore? And you know, you may be right. But I think if you look at their library as a whole and you mix it all together, you put it in a ninja blender and you see what sort of musical subgenre smoothie you get, I think it ends up being Metalcore Part 2. 2006 saw Bring Me the Horizon debut as a deathcore band. Greg, Greg covered this with the album Count Your Blessings. The opening track, Pray for Plagues has been played over 16 million times on Spotify right now. And that's a deathcore song from Bring Me the Horizon, 16 million plays. Two years later in 2008, they released Suicide Season. This album is already a noticeable shift from the deathcore roots, certainly in the guitar composition, uh, as well as Ollie's singing style variations. Is it metalcore more than deathcore? Yes. With clean sound vocals, um, one of them, there's a guest appearance by Sam Carter from Architects on a song called uh, The Sadness Will Never End. So they're starting the, the metalcore sound, we'll say, uh, along with some, some deathcore in, uh, in uh, that album on Suicide Season. From there, they switch up their sound quite a bit with uh, There Is a Hell, There Is a Heaven, and Sempaternal. That's the spirit is is like a pop rock album. You know, all of these are are introducing a lot of electronic and keyboard sounds. If you're familiar with their discography, you know that they change have changed a lot, and uh, including the the latest release in 2020 called Posthuman Survival Horror. So again, I feel like the discography as a whole mixed in. Uh, represents Metalcore Part 2 the best of any of the other subgenres if you're going to define them by one, one metal subgenre. Some other facts about Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, recently, they had a monster performance with Ed Sheeran to open the 2022 Brit Awards. Uh, they performed Sheeran's song Bad Habits and are said now to be, I guess, collaborating on a new upcoming song. So yeah, check it out with them. They've had the, their current lineup since 2013, but the same core four members since their start in 2004. I mean, that's that's wild to me for how much their sound that's has really changed. Good. What's that? You said that's really good. I mean, bands don't typically stay together that long. I, yeah, especially across so many sound changes, right? I mean, right. they did... Uh, you know, of course, one guy left after the after I think he left before uh, suicide season after count your blessings. But yeah, even since then, they changed quite a bit. But um, the band has stayed true together and their 59 second song. No need for introductions had a jazzy piano introduction, which was actually created 
on a Mellotron MK2. The Mellotron is an electronic keyboard device made from the 60s to the 80s. And unlike a conventional synthesizer or an electronic organ, the Mellotron generates sounds when you when you press a key on the Mellotron. It, it gives out a sound, but the sound is actually a recording uh, on from, from different tapes. Uh, it's really cool. There's some neat YouTube videos on this actual device. I suggest you go and, and check it out. And the sampling that they used for this song was also used for a 2010 Prada ad. Mm, wow. Right? If you like Bring Me the Horizon, I'm going to suggest listening to Asking Alexandria, um, I Prevail, and another band that uh, maybe isn't so much metalcore necessarily, but Enter Shikari. So yeah, check that one out. Mm. As far as the design, the as far as the Distortion Dad's designated ditties go, we have Visions from There Is a Hell, There Is a Heaven. We have Empire, Let Them Sing from Sempaternal, True Friends from That's the Spirit, Heavy Metal from Amo, Parasite Eve from Posthuman Survival Horror, and Ludens from Posthuman Survival Horror. So my favorite album from Bring Me the Horizon is Amo. Released in 2019. Uh, recently, I watched a YouTube video of a rundown of the songs from Amo by vocalist Oliver Sykes and keyboardist Jordan Fish. They spoke how this album was a reflection of many things they wanted to do for a while, uh, but didn't have the opportunity to do on prior albums. It just, just wasn't there. It wouldn't fit in. All of that stuff. So... It was truly an album to spread their wings, if you will, and showcase a variety of sounds that otherwise might not have expected to sound so well together. Hits like Mantra and Medicine, uh, In the Dark, Sugar Honey Iced Tea are catchy tunes, uh, but my favorite is the next-to-last track, Heavy Metal, where Bring Me the Horizon sing about how the band keeps reading their online reviews. They do pay attention to them. And uh, they note one example where a kid on the gram in a Black Dahlia tank says, It ain't heavy metal. A feeble diss against them since they steered away from the Count Your Blessings sound. But uh, this, this album is, is really great. Uh, very, a very wide array of sounds, electronic with, with grimes and nihilist blues. Um, it's really, really a good mix. Greg, how about you? Uh, so to talk about Amo and especially heavy metal, um, if you haven't figured it out by now, while I wasn't that kid on the gram, you know, with a black Dahlia tank (laughs) that I, looking back, I felt like that kid. No, that's not heavy metal. You can't do that. But yeah, that, that, that album is great. I really like it. They, they put elements of just about everything from their history in there. There are slight obscure elements of metalcore and even deathcore in there. Like at the end of heavy metal, there's a a little deathcore scream that he does. It's awesome. But yeah, so while Amo is not my, while I like it, it's not my favorite album. Uh, That belongs to Suicide Season. I may still be living in the past, but hey, it's a it's a damn good album. So Count Your Blessings was my first introduction to Bring Me to the Horizon, but Suicide Season was what made me a fan of theirs and what made it 
absolutely devastating when they started changing their sound. So I told you at the beginning that I was starting to become a snob, and this was one of the earliest examples of that mindset, the mindset that I was starting to have, and that old man holding that stick and you know telling these new kids to get off the lawn. But what was nice was I went back and listened to the album, and I realized why I was so mad at this band for changing their sound and going the path that they went. Also listening to it now, I realized that how drastically they had changed their sound from Count Your Blessings to Suicide Season. And then you could start to hear elements of what would later on become Bring Me the Horizon as we know them today. Uh, you can hear some of those elements in this album, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you listen to songs like Chelsea Smile and It Was Written in Blood and The Sadness Will End. You can, like I said, you can start hearing those elements. Uh, it's still one of my favorite albums from the MySpace generation. And this band helped catapult Metal Corp Part 2 or Wave 2 into the uh, into the forefront. Yeah, right. They gave this popular that they gave this subgenre some exposure right and i do agree that this album was the start of of that of that uh, progression that change and i noticed it a lot in in uh, lee malia's riffs is a definite yeah. difference in the in the guitar composition uh from counting your blessings to suicide season and i i love his riffs <laughs> it starts with that album you can also hear, you know, hear it in Ollie's voice, you know, when he went from uh, Count Your Blessings and doing all the pig squeals and the crazy uh, extreme vocals. And then he started doing more raspy, screaming vocals in Suicide Season. Okay. Um, yeah, it was co a complete drastic shift. I like both albums, but I think uh, Suicide Season is definitely the one that I'll continue to go back mm -hmm. to. Yep. So for the Spotify song, I picked... Parasite Eve from their latest release in 2020. I when I first heard this song, the the intro, <laughs> the introduction <laughs> threw me off. It really did. I'm like, wow, what is this? Where are they going with this? It's it's actually performed by the Bulgarian female vocal choir, and it's from the song Argandiado, written by Peter Lyondev. And he is also credited on the song as a co-writer. So we have sampling, we have synthesizers, we have clean singing, we have growl distorted vocals and a soaring chorus. We have Lee Malia's signature riff style. All the elements of Metalcore 2 are on display in this song. It was written during the pandemic, and the song title is somewhat what you think uh, with respect to vaccine availability. And lessons learned once we overcome the infection. So check it out. It's Parasite Eve by Bring Me the Horizon. Our next band is Attack Attack. And I'm sure what most of you are saying is, who the hell is Attack Attack? <laughs> <laughs> um, if I weren't in, you know, if I weren't a metalhead, I definitely would be, you know, listening to this podcast and being like, really? who would name their band attack attack but they're from ohio they formed in 2006 their first album was called someday came suddenly uh which was released in 2008 they currently have four albums their total followership is 2.3 million 
their YouTube is unknown for some reason. I think it falls under their record label. Yeah. So they don't get the statistics, which sucks, yeah, sucks. because they would be a little bit higher than they are now. But the percentile of uh, subgenre bands, they're 25th. So that's pretty low. Their highest Billboard 200 ranking was This Means War at number 11. So why are they genre defining? Uh, we already established that they're not very popular amongst all the bands that we found, but they're one of the most influential bands in this entire subgenre. They are one of the early innovators of electronic core, a mix of metalcore and electronic dance music or EDM. They weren't the first. That actually belongs to aforementioned Enter Shikari. Oh, yeah. But they are definitely super influential when it comes to adding, you know, electronics to the music. This was the point in time where bands started putting electronic dance music songs on their metalcore albums which is really weird. And, you know, some of the next couple of bands that are to come, they did that too. They like electronics were super heavy in their, uh, in their albums. And we can thank attack attack for that. They started a movement <laughs> within metalcore. Uh, it's called Crabcore. It's not actually a sub subgenre of metalcore, but it's essentially when the guitarist or the bass player will squat down and bend their knees so much and they will rock back and forth to the music. It, it sounds stupid, but when you watch the videos of this era, you're going to see that a lot. And these were the guys who helped bring it to the forefront. So, you know, they helped out with lifestyles too and trends. So like I said, influential. Some other tidbits that I found about them, they have had a multitude of singers, uh, whether clean or screaming, but three of note here. One was Austin Carlisle, who was the screamer on the first album. He either left or was kicked out of the, after the first album was recorded, and he went on to create Of Mice and Men, which is a very popular band right now. Caleb Shomo, who started off as their keyboardist on the first album, uh, he became their lead vocalist by the time This Means War came around. So that's the third album in their discography. And um, after that album came out, he actually left and went and formed a band called Beartooth, which is also super popular right now. Mm -hmm. And their current vocalist, Chris Parketney, he is also the vocalist of Nine Shrines. They are a more obscure band. You can find them on Spotify. They, they sound really good. They sound nothing like Attack Attack, but they're really cool. I would go check them out as well. Also, on their early albums, they use an unnecessary amount of auto-tune, in my opinion. Auto-tune, I didn't like it with Cher back in the 90s, and I still don't like it today, and it, I can't, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around it in metal. So uh, when I first heard it, I was like, oh my goodness, what is this? And also, they were, they were also considered a Christian metalcore band with their use of theology in their lyrics. Um, they used things like, uh, we're going to go to him, or they used he in their lyrics. They didn't. They started off that way. They didn't stay uh, a Christian band. They kind of left that behind when uh, this, came, or this Means War came around. So some other bands that you might like in the same vein as Attack Attack are Electric Cowboy, formerly Eskimo Cowboy, and abandon all ships. 
the distortioned heads designated ditties. What happens if I can't check my MySpace when we get there? From Someday Came Suddenly. Shred White and Blue from Someday Came Suddenly. Sexual Man Chocolate from Attack Attack. The Betrayal from This Means War. The Eradication also from This Means War. And Dear Wendy from Long Time No See. My favorite album by this band is This Means War from 2012. This album is my favorite by far, leaps and bounds. Not to try and put anything negative on the first two albums or even the uh, the EP Long Time No See, but like I just love the, the sound of This Means War and the way it all came together. Uh, it's probably the most metalcore album that Attack Attack created. And it also used the least amount of electronics in it. That's probably a lot why I like it the most. But I also love Caleb Shomo's voice. I'm also a big fan of Beartooth. So go figure. Matt, what do you got? Yeah, I, I agree. That album is good and is one of the one of the ones that does have maybe the least amount of electronic elements in there. And I think my favorite album probably has the most. <laughs> uh this is long time no see it is uh i guess it could be an ep what there's like five songs on it um and they they came back as a band after like 10 years of being off something like that uh, a long hiatus and released long time no see what can i say i just i just love how much the edm has been stepped up for this release uh I, i totally dig it uh, from the start of the twangy 43-second intro track uh, to the last track about an online feud with Wendy's, uh, this <laughs> album really, really got me out of my seat. Uh, my personal favorites, though, are songs All My Life and Fade With Me. And the song Fade With Me I heard for the first time in my car, and I immediately cranked it up. It uh, <laughs> it's got a very uh, distinct electronic section. They did they didn't uh, shy away from that in this song. In fact, in the commentary of this album, they do mention how they look to uh, try and get a full song of this sort of style. So it's seriously a must listen for anyone enjoying this type of sound. Nice, and the Spotify song that I chose is actually from that EP. It's called Dear Wendy. As Matt alluded to, it was an online feud with Wendy's. I I can't, we're not going to get into it. I don't think we have enough time, but uh, this song, while not on my favorite album, uh, is the epitome of Attack Attack's history. Like you put all of the elements that you expect from Attack Attack and bam, it's right there in this one song. Mm it's got heavy verses, beautiful choruses, electronics exploding everywhere, mm-hmm. literally everywhere. Yeah. There's even a break in there that's an elect, you know, an EDM like you're going to a club section. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's bonkers, but it all works. Yeah. This is what you expect from a band who helped to pioneer a genre called electronic or you can hear every incarnation of the band in this one song. They're truly on top of their game at this point, even with the new singer after a decade, you'd think that they lost a step. No, they just like amped it up to 11 and just went to town. Great song. Enjoy. The next genre defining band from Metalcore Part 2 is Memphis May Fire. They're from Texas here in the United States. They formed in 2006 and released Sleepwalking in 2009. 
They have since released uh, five more albums for a total of six albums. And they had a total followership of 3.3 million followers across six platforms, which put them in 19th place relative to the other metalcore bands. They do not have any Recording Industry Association of America certifications yet, but they do have a highest Billboard 200 placing of number four for the album Unconditional. They were nominated for several alternative press music awards, including 2014's Artist Philanthropic Award for vocalist Maddie Mullen's work with PETA 2 and Adopting Pets in lieu of purchasing. Why is Memphis Mayfire genre-defining? So they're number 13 in followership across media platforms. They have a number four Billboard 200 album in 2014. Uh, their first album was, we'll say, a, a, maybe a Southern metalcore mix. I got that term from, from Greg. Uh, it's a very good album in its own right, but not, not metalcore 2 necessarily. Uh, but they do, after that, they have a very long track record very long track record of good examples within this subgenre. Uh, their second album, The Hollow, was much heavier in both the vocals and instrumentation, uh, probably their heaviest to date, uh, in my opinion. Uh, here's where we also start subtly hearing Mike Metalcore Part 2 add-ins. Uh, we have a background keyboard synth here and electronic effects overlay there. And we have one full electronic instrumental interlude track called The Burden. And so, in my opinion here, the seeds of Metalcore 2, Metalcore Part 2 were sowed. And they would continue for 2012's Challenger and 2014's Unconditional. On uh, This Light I Hold, released in 2016, Memphis My Fire seemed to start embracing more of the added synth keys and electronic effects add-ins and builds, and then culminating with 2018's uh, Broken, especially with the song Heavy is the Weight, which featured Andy Mineo. They did just release an album in February 18th of 2022, and upon listening to this, it's, it's relatively clear that this is the biggest and defining Metalcore 2 album for this band, a uh, true representation of their maturity, uh, that they've built over the career and a metalcore two uh, and settling into the the metalcore two sound. Other thoughts around Memphis May Fire. According to multiple interviews, their original name, Oh Captain My Captain, had to be changed after finding another group with ownership rights. A collection of ideas from uh, from band members at the time resulted initially with Mississippi May Fire as the winner. But then they changed it to Memphis Mayfire because it was easy to say. So really there's no significance behind the name Memphis Mayfire as one might try to envision. Vocalist Maddie Mullen's early inspirations include DC Talk, Audio Adrenaline, Jars of Clay, and Mercy Me. And the first three I also listened to when I was younger, uh, thanks a lot to my dad's influence. And Memphis Mayfire covered Bruno Mars' hit Grenade for the 2012 Pop Goes 5 album. So yeah, check that one out. Uh, if you're into Memphis Mayfire, some other bands you might like would be Wolves at the Gate or Miss May I. And certainly listening to songs, the Distortion Dad's designated ditties are... Been There, Done That, from Sleepwalking, 
the Commanded from the Hollow, Alive in the Lights from Challenger, the Answer from Unconditional, the Enemy from This Light I Hold, and Watch Out from Broken in 2018. My favorite album from them is The Hollow, released in 2010. It's heavy. It's, it's their heavy, like I said, it's their heaviest one to date. Right from the start with The Sinner, we hear familiar clean singing in the chorus, accompanied by almost deathcore-esque outbursts. And again, we have very subtle synth elements in this album that create the, the Metalcore 2 sound that is then continued over the next uh, several albums that they would release. Um, and again, the interlude is a great electronic tradition that uh, that adds in the, the real electronic part of, of Metalcore Part 2. So uh, if you're into that, check out that song. And yeah, what's, uh, what's your favorite album from Memphis Mayfire, Greg? So obviously it's Sleepwalking, their first album. I really love the the metallic Southern rock sound that they had on it. I wish that they had continued that throughout their career. I mean, we see little uh, little dabbles of it here and there, but it really showed the it really showed their chops and their writing skills. Like all of those songs are really well written for a bunch of young kids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That would follow them throughout their career. They have put out a lot of good songs. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of any of that, you know, I absolutely hated. That's the thing I love about metal bands is, you know, they try so hard to make great albums instead of just like a few songs here and there. This album in particular was very, very unique, very, uh, you know, ahead of its time. Like I said, I really wish that they had continued down that path a little bit, but it wasn't necessarily Metalcore Part 2, but it showed what the band was capable of uh, as you listen to later installments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the Spotify song, in lieu of choosing something from their latest album, again, go check that out. It's make-believe. I chose Rum from their 2018 album, Broken. The song is called Watch Out, and um, it's a great mix of Metalcore 2 elements. Again, we have subtle synth elements throughout. Some gang chants are thrown in. And of course, Maddie Mullins, noticeable chops singing a rather motivational song for anyone facing pushback to progress and never backing down. So turn it up and get motivated. Our next band is Asking Alexandria. They're from the United Kingdom. They formed in 2008. Their first album was Stand Up and Scream, which came out in 2009. They have had seven total studio albums to date. The analytics and other stats include total followership of 10 million people. They are in the 97th percentile, which is fourth behind Bring Me the Horizon, Bull for My Valentine, and A Day to Remember. Their RIAA gold status includes Moving On and Alone in the Room. Both became gold on the same date of January 11th of 2022. Their highest Billboard 200 album was From Death to Destiny, which peaked at number five. So why are they genre-defining? Well, first I have to tell you that this band was really hard for me to research. Of all the bands, they're my least favorite. That's not a knock against them saying that they're not good or anything, but just in my opinion, they're my least favorite. But with that being said, they needed to be put on this list because of their popularity ranking of number four 
uh, across all the media platforms. Their influence on newer bands, such as Electric Callboy and others, and their contributions to Electronicore. While, again, like Attack Attack, they weren't the first, but something needs to be said about being a super popular band and all these other people hearing you do something completely different. You know, that's pretty influential in my opinion. They implemented using electronics to either be the focal point of the song, such as hiatus, to make bridges and segues, songs like If You Can't Ride Two Horses, Then Get Out of the Circus, um, or to be used as background noise, such as A Lesson Never Learned. This was most apparent on the first two albums, then on their later efforts, electronics are used more as accent pieces. I had to listen to their discography so much that I felt like I was building up a tolerance to it. It's not that it was bad. It's just not for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially their first two albums. The biggest reason why I didn't like the first two albums was because the screaming and the clean vocals really didn't balance out very well. It seemed like you're going from one end of the spectrum to the other, and it's not appealing to the ears. It didn't really mesh for me, and I think, uh, you know, I'll probably catch flack for that, but... That's okay. I feel that Dennis Stoff on The Black was a better metalcore singer, and I'm putting up air quote, than Warsnap. I think Warsnap is a better rock singer than a metalcore singer. But again, that's my opinion. I think their sound has evolved to the point where they are a rock core man now, uh, if I can use that. I'm creating all these different sub-sub-genres here, meaning that this new rock direction that they have been a part of is still still has some metalcore elements, but it's kind of watered down. It's very rock feeling, but they still have, they, instead of screams, now they have you know very aggressive, clean vocals, uh, raspiness, stuff like that. And then they still have the the clean vocals that they're known for. But enough critiquing. Let's find out some interesting things about them. Their biggest influences are the 80s metal and glam metal bands. So you're, th- you're talking about Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, and even modern bands like Slipknot and Avenged Sevenfold. The lyrics were always improvised in the studio, not written beforehand. So you, you always hear about uh, singers or bands going in with, you know, sheets of lyrics and stuff like that. Nope, they made them up on the spot. That's pretty impressive, <laughs> if you ask me. So during the touring cycle for uh, Reckless and Relentless, the band was becoming toxic and they they started resenting each other. Frankly, I'm surprised that they made it out of that and were able to stay a band. But during this time, according to guitarist Ben Bruce on Wikipedia Factor Fiction from 2016, even though the band were hammered most of the time, the band themselves were able to kind of present themselves and able to get through the shows and, you know, go through the motions, essentially. Whereas Danny Warstop was not. He would take things a little too far. He would, you know, show up to uh, concerts drunk and or completely blitzed and not not put on a good show, essentially. Uh, there was a point in time on the album uh, From Death to Destiny on a song called Don't Pray for Me, where you can actually hear Ben Bruce pleading with the crowd to try and help get his get Danny Warsnap into rehab. It's really eerie to listen to but you know they put it on the album so 
during the recording sessions for that album from death to destiny, they had to go to seven different studios because Danny would record for a day and then disappear for the rest of the time that they had remaining. And, you know, other bands needed to record at this time. So you had your slot. And if you didn't do everything you wanted to do, you had to move on and go somewhere else. So that's what the band did. Uh, It took them six different studios after they initially recorded all the music to get Danny to put all of his, all of his vocals down. Also at this time, a lot of bad things happened at this time. If you can't tell. Danny left the band. Uh, he created a band, uh, a rock band called We Are Harlot. The name sounded familiar to me, so I had to actually go listen to them. They're not bad. And was replaced by De- the aforementioned Dennis Stoff. Uh, less than a year later, Dennis was gone. He kind of flaked out and went back to his home country and was replaced by none other than Danny Warsnap. And the band started moving into a more rock sound. Also, on a positive note, uh, there was a remix album that was created using the songs from the first two albums, and it uses way more like uh, like EDM and a lot less metal. And if this was the original presentation of the uh, first two albums, I think I would have liked it a lot better, but uh, I digress. So some bands you may like uh, that are in the style of Asking Alexandria, Beartooth, uh, especially later asking Alexandria, uh, Beartooth fits that mold pretty well. Eminence, they also fit that mold. We'll hear about them in a little bit. Distortion Dad's designated ditties are, if you can't ride two horses at once, you should get out of the circus from Stand Up and Scream. The Match from Reckless and Relentless. The Death of Me from Death to Destiny. Let It Sleep from The Black. Eve from Asking Alexandria, and Misery Loves Company from See What's on the Inside. Now, my favorite album is The Black. And to me, it's it's the best sounding metalcore 2 album that the band created. Unfortunately, it was with Dennis Stoff and not with Danny Warstop. So, you know, it's actually looked at very negatively by Asking Alexandria fans. But The Black is the most metalcore sounding album of theirs. Um, Stoff's vocal execution was spot on. Like, he sounds great on this album. Uh, It's got everything that you would want in a metalcore 2 album and is well balanced. It's heavy. It's melodic. To me, it's too bad that this lineup didn't last because I would have loved to have heard albums after that of what they could create. So, Matt, what, what did you think? Actually, my favorite of theirs is their remix album that you were talking about last. They did a, a EDM remix of, of songs from the first two albums. I really enjoyed that one the most out of theirs. But, you know, frankly, we got to pick one of their original studio albums. And mine is The Black as well. To me, it has, has nothing to do with Danny Warsnop not singing vocals, but I just ser- sincerely like the sound and balance of that album relative to the others. You know, it's got the synth arrangements, the clean growl mix of vocals, soaring choruses, and uh, the guitar and drum elements are worthy of a metalcore two genre-defining performance. So yeah, my my favorite is the black as well. Nice, good choice. <laughs> All right, so here's the moment of truth: the Spotify song. I chose the death of me uh, because this is the best representation of the band's sound, old and new. Uh, mostly the Danny Warstop eras, 
I, I, I feel that I kind of felt obligated that I had to choose a Danny Warsnop song, but that's okay. So if Alien stopped by and said, what song encompasses the Asking Alexandria sound throughout their career, this is definitely the song that I would choose to show it to them because they might evaporate me if they realize that Dennis Stuff isn't in the band anymore um, or was only there for one album. But anyway, <laughs> it has the harsh abrasive side from their early albums and it has the rock side that defines them on their last couple of efforts today. Danny's vocals on this song seem to meld much better than others. Like his screaming and his uh, clean singing are really good. Um, they did a really good job producing this and recording it. The guitars are rocking and the riffs you know, that are used in this song are pretty killer. I also suggest that you check out this whole album as well um, because it, it's really unique to hear a band that put out such a good album during such a terrible time for the band. Our next genre-defining band for Metalcore Part 2 is We Came As Romans. They're from Michigan. They formed in 2005. They released their first album to plant a seed in 2009, and they have a total of five studio albums. Total followership across six platforms totaled at 4.1 million, which put them at 13th place. They do not have any RIAA certifications yet, but they do have a Billboard 200 placement at number eight for Tracing Back Roots. As far as awards go, in 2013, the band's video for A War Inside, directed by Cole Dabney, won the 2013 Music Video Directors Association's Award for Best Live Performance Tour Video. And yeah, it's a nice collection of uh, footage from from the tour for this uh, particular song. Go check it out, A War Inside. Why are we classifying We Came As Romans as a genre-defining band? So they are 13th in followership, as previously mentioned, and one of the bands that has displayed a true Metalcore 2 sound since their debut album. They have growl verses with clean combined choruses that are very catchy. We have positive lyrics, Metalcore guitar riffs through and through, along with the necessary Metalcore 2 elements of keyboard, synth, and electronic effects. So right off the bat, 2009, they come out with To Plant a Seed, and the opening track of the same name, we hear a signature Metalcore 1 sound, but uh, a little over one minute into that track, we immediately start hearing synth-electronic blend that builds from clean vocals to a mix of the two vocalists. The rest of the song follows suit, as well as the album, including a hint of autotune. In my opinion, Broken Statues is a signature track off of this album. 2011's Understanding What We've Grown To Be follows right in the same footsteps, which is the album that A War Inside is on, and continues accordingly on 2013's Tracing Back Roots and 2015's self-titled album, We Came As Romans. It was in 2017, though, that the album Cold Like War was released. And in my opinion, maybe it's just the improved production quality over the, over the years since then, but this album was a noticeable shift from the prior albums. Um, 
to me, it's the it's it, this album makes them a quintessential band for the metalcore part two genre defining list. Really, it's it's an album that I get on and I press play. So unfortunately, the album Cold Like War in 2017 marked the band's last release with their clean vocalist Kyle Pavone, who passed away unexpectedly of what was deemed an accidental drug overdose in August of 2018. In his memory, the Kyle Pavone Foundation was formed with a mission statement saying the Kyle Pavone Foundation hopes to enrich the memory of Kyle Pavone by providing education, awareness, and compassion to those suffering from addiction and their families. They can be found at kylepavonefoundation.org. And the band has released five singles uh, since Kyle Pavone's death, and they are continuing as a five-piece band, understandably so, not being able to to really replace someone as monumental as Kyle Pavone. Is, his voice is, is really uh, one of a kind, in my opinion. Other bands you might like, uh, or at least one band that you might like if you if you enjoy hearing We Came As Romans is The Word Alive. And the Distortion Dad's designated ditties for We Came As Romans are Broken Statues from To Plant a Seed, The Way That We Have Been from Understanding What We've Grown To Be, Fade Away from Tracing Back Roots, Defiance from We Came As Romans, Lost In The Moment from Cold Like War, and a single from 2021 called Dark Bloom. My favorite album from them, if you can't guess, is Cold Like War. Uh, I'm, like I said, I, I hit the album and press play. I'm fond of every song on the album. I honestly didn't know anything about We Came As Romans uh, prior prior to the subgenre search. And I was, I was just super blown away by this album. Uh, so much so that I added it into my heavy rotation list because uh, I just I just love it. It's got great production. It's the true metalcore two sound riffs that just make you want to bounce your head. It's super balanced with the growls and the clean vocals, with synth and keys throughout. On this album, there's a a track called "Promise Me," which is more uh, mostly electronic. It's sung only by Kyle uh, throughout. It's a really heavy-hitting track, given the song uh, lyrical content and you know his passing the following year of this album's release. Uh, recent videos of the band concerts have this song, Promise Me, as a, we'll say, a set interlude for the band where they just have a video screen playing and this song going, and on the screen is clips that show Kyle. So yeah, my favorite album is Cold Like War from We Came As Romans. How about you, Greg? Yeah, I got to go with one of their older albums, you know, Understanding What We've Grown To Be from 2011. While it seems to be their calling card, I really enjoy the seamless transitions that they have in their songs, you know, between heavy aggressive parts and the slower beautiful parts. Like they all seem to be you know, meld together. And as, as you can tell by my taste, you know, I like a lot of balance and this band has it, uh, especially on this album. The vocal duo, they're really good together. The screaming and the vo- uh, the clean vocals go together. I love Kyle's unique, clean singing voice. 
I also enjoy the uplifting message of each song on this album. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they don't have uplifting messages on the rest of their songs, but like it seems like this whole album was destined to be one of those uplifting albums. Just great lyric writing, great songwriting. This album, besides the rest of them, have been in my rotation heavily since we started doing Metalcore Part 2. Um, nice. This is one of the ones that I just can't get enough of. Nice. So for the Spotify song, um, as much as I would have loved to to choose one from uh, Cold from Cold Like War, um, I did actually choose one of those songs for the participant reactions. But I I chose a single release from 2021 called Dark Bloom. It's still a good representation of Metalcore 2 and showcases the band's sound as Dave Stevens carries sole vocalist duties. The idea behind Dark Bloom, according to a Blabbermouth interview with guitarist Joshua Moore, is is that even through the darkest, most difficult times of life, there is still the potential or possibility of personal growth. So here it is, Dark Bloom by We Came As Bromans. The next band is I Prevail. They are also from Michigan. Uh, They formed in 2013. Their first album was Lifelines from 2016. They currently have two studio albums and one EP. Their total followership is 6.2 million. They're seventh overall in a band that started in 2013. That's impressive. They have two songs that are considered gold by the RIAA. One is Alone. It became gold in November of 2021. And Scars, which became gold in December of 2020. They also have a platinum song. A little song you might have heard of called Blank Space, originally done by Taylor Swift. This one became platinum in August of 2019. Their highest Billboard 200 ranking was Trauma at number 14. So I Prevail were nominated for a Grammy for the best metal performance of the song Bow Down in 2019. They were also nominated for another Grammy for Best Rock Album for Trauma in 2019. They also won the Loudwire Music Awards Hard Rock Song of the Year for the song Alone in 2017. So why are they genre-defining? Even though they're the new kids on the block, they're still probably the most successful. And I say successful because... They have two gold songs. They have a platinum song. They're just really successful and popular right now. They have Grammy nominations, not to say that other bands don't, but that's pretty good for a band that put out their first album in 2016. They have a very direct approach to their music. What they lack in frills, they make up for in writing powerful songs. They can either pummel you with heaviness or elicit tear production with their softer songs. They have radio-friendly hits, and then they have hits that or songs that make you want to speed down the highway. They use electronics in almost every song, which places them firmly in uh, the Metalcore Part 2 crowd. And they have two singers, Brian Burkheiser, who does the clean vocals, and Eric Vanleberg, who does the screaming. They are one of the best one-two combos in the subgenre right now. Uh, Both are able to sing and even rap, depending on the feeling of the song. Some other tidbits are Gabe, forgive me for butchering this, Helguera, their current drummer, is the founder of Drum Beats Online. 
a drum mastery course in YouTube drum cover channel. That's kind of cool. Go and check out his videos. They're actually really neat. The first song they recorded was a cover of Taylor Swift's Blank Space, as we know, went platinum. Their latest album, Trauma, was very cathartic for the band. As it was outlined in the video for Hurricane, most of the tracks deal with topics of mental health, including paranoia, anxiety, depression, as well as anger and global violence and loss. Um, All of these things that, you know, have been felt by the band were brought out into this into this album. Also, their videos for the album Trauma are pretty what's the word I'm looking for here? Sometimes hard to watch. Um, not to say that they're bad or anything, but you know, like they deal with some graphic subject matter and it, like I said, it's very, very difficult to watch sometimes. And it goes really well hand in hand with the music. Um, I, I applaud them for being able to do that. So a band you may like is Anne is okay. They're from Germany. We'll hear about more about them later. Uh, the Distortion Dads, Designated Ditties, are Love, Lust, and Liars from Heart vs. Mind, Come and Get It from Lifelines, Chaos also from Lifelines, Deadweight from Trauma, Breaking Down also from Trauma, and DOA featuring Joyner Lucas from Post Traumatic. Now, my favorite album, it it's not even close. It's Trauma from 2019. This album hits all the right buttons. It's upbeat and energetic. It reminds me of my new metal roots uh, to a certain extent. This is one of the best complete albums that I've heard in a long while. Like sometimes you'll get a, you know, a few hits here and there and then a couple of duds on the same album. Nope, not this one. This one is all just, you know, all bangers. I Prevail have been able to incorporate their own demons and rejuvenated energy on this album that makes it stand out more than the others. Lifelines, as thought about from the band standpoint, is actually like metalcore by the numbers. So they were very happy to, you know, do trauma and do, you know, songs that were kind of out of their comfort zone. Just go ahead and turn turn it on. Let out some aggression. Uh, sing along and unwind. None of these songs let up on the emotions, not even the slower songs like Let Me Be Sad or Every Time You Leave, and especially the acoustic closer, I Don't Belong Here. It's got a little bit for everybody and doesn't disappoint. What do you think, Matt? I agree. I I totally agree. My uh, My favorite album is Trauma as well. So prior to researching this subgenre, I was I was familiar with a few songs. One of them being the Blank Space cover, of course. But also My Heart, I Surrender, which is an acoustic final track off of Heart vs. Mind. Uh, Lifelines from Lifelines. And Breaking Down from Trauma. I heard that on the radio. So I already had a pretty good idea of the potential scope of their sound, we'll say. But going through this and listening to more of Trauma, like, wow. Um, you're talking about heavy subject matter for sure. Heavy hitting opening with Bow Down. Very, very metalcore, really, Um, into the bass-heavy paranoid that follows it, right into the love ballad of Every Time You Leave. First three songs all had me uh, immediately putting the album on repeat, honestly. Uh, It's a great album. It does highlight uh, dealing with personal and and mental issues, and that, you know, it's okay to talk about them uh, with other people. And they chose to, to talk about them on an album 
And even though it's tough, I, I think it's great that, that, that they did that. So my Spotify song that I chose uh, is Breaking Down Off of Trauma. And it was really tough to pick a song just to narrow down to just one song on this album because, you know, there are so many great songs that I could have used. But I decided to use the one that probably hits closest to home for the band as far as uh, the lead singer, Brian, as seen in the video for the song, he deals with depression on a daily basis. You know, it was one of the reasons why the band had so many, such hardships between, you know, lifelines and trauma. And it was almost one of the reasons why the band broke up. It's got the metalcore sound to it. And the video is really weird and cool. And uh, also going back to some of the lyrics is it talks about doctors would give him medicine to try and help him cope with his uh, depression and anxiety and it was, really wasn't working and what really helped him out or is helping him stay stable as far as the depression goes is him being in this band and writing trauma so that's your song breaking down by i prevail so we came up with a list for our genre defining bands which you just heard but there are so many names that we could have mentioned that could have been used in our genre defining bands but we had to make the tough choice of narrowing it down to what we did so here's some of the others that we could have chosen from our last night motionless and white of mice and men parkway drive the devil wears prada architects bless the fall Beartooth, Amity Affliction, and Ice Nine Gills. Yep, 10 bands right there that, that were potentially considered for this. They're in our overall list, of course. They had uh, some good analytics, but overall we chose the eight that we chose for a reason. Beyond the genre-defining bands that shaped the subgenre, there are bands that we'd like to share that are carrying the torch today in the New to Us Bands segment. In addition to the genre-defining bands, we like to include a a section that highlights some of the up-and-coming or new-to-us bands uh, within the subgenre. We give a few short comments about the band, choose three songs for the Distortion Dads designated ditties, and then one song to highlight their sound. Again, if you're listening on Spotify, it will automatically play, but if not, please check it out on your preferred platform. So my first new-to-me band is Anne is Okay. They're from Germany. They formed in 2007, and they have five studio albums. The band's name is actually an answer to the question, Annie, are you okay, from Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal. <laughs> I always wondered. Right? I, I, I like Every time I heard the name, I was like, oh, yeah, Annie, are you okay? It started popping in my head, and now I have verification. The band created an instrumental version to their 2018 album, Arms, thanks to fans' reactions to the instrumental tracks being used on a U.S. documentary. Their lyrical themes, they include mostly political commentary that is based in their country and other politics from around the world. So you're going to hear songs that may or may not relate to the politics that you hear in your country. The Distortion Dad's designated ditties that I chose for this band are The Ghost of Me from The Lucid Dreamer, Hourglass from Devil May Care, 
and face the facts from Aurora. Now, the song that I chose as my Spotify song for Anne is Okay is Face the Facts. The beginning riff to the song is absolutely killer. I love it. Like, mm-hmm. talk about hook, line, and sinker, man. Mm-hmm. I don't. Need, I didn't need to hear the rest of the song. I could just live on that opening riff. But it really sucks you in. The lyrics are telling the listener to make your own decisions and that sometimes you need to change what you're doing, how you're living, this, that, and the other thing. It's all about making your own decisions. Make your own decisions and listen to Face the Facts. My second band is Eminence from Sweden. They formed in 2009. They currently have four albums. They use an uncommon instrument in metal, a violin of all things. And it's not just one of those, oh, we're going to use it once in this song and then, hey, we use the violin in a metal song. No, uh, they actually use it with the exception of their first album. They have used it in every song ever since then. Yeah. Yeah. There are some arguments when it comes to, you know, violins and metal that you could say, oh, well, what about symphonic or symphonic or orchestral forms of metal or folk metal? Well, outside of those things, it's really unheard of. Coming from Sweden, a country that mass produces metal bands, see uh, melodic death metal, bands need to find unique ways to stick out. And frankly, a violin is definitely a way to do that. It's a really cool sound. Go ahead and listen to it. Uh, Eminence are heavily influenced by In Flames, Linkin Park, and the first wave of metalcore. The Distortion Dad's designated ditties that I chose from Eminence are Those Who Seek from the album I, Room to Breathe from Turn the Light On, and Temptation from Heaven and Hiding. So the Spotify song that I chose was Temptation from Heaven and Hiding, which is their most recent release. I love the inclusion of the violin in this band. I can't stress that enough. You think that it would be weird and not fit in, but it really does. You know, it adds some layer of atmosphere to the songs that isn't heard in any other metalcore band. Vocalist Eddie Berg, also the violinist, has a very eerie sounding voice that just melds with the rest of the band and mixes with that violin. And it's it's just great. I can't say enough about that violin. They're very unique. And this song is a great way to show that. My last band is called Electric Cowboy, formerly Eskimo Cowboy. Uh, They're also from Germany. They formed in 2010. They have five albums currently. I discovered them when we were doing Metalcore Part 1. I was going to use them as a new to me band and uh, but they really didn't fit what we were doing for metalcore part one. So uh, I texted Matt said, when we do part two of this, of metalcore, I'm using this band as a new to me band. And he laughed and, you know, said, okay, I really like this band. Uh, Pump It was the first song I had heard from the band and it popped up on my YouTube, like the day it came out. And uh, so I watched it and it was weird and goofy, but the song was really cool. So the band recently changed their name from Eskimo Cowboy to Electric Cowboy. They had received some emails stating that the term Eskimo was offensive. So the band took it upon themselves to educate themselves on the term Eskimo. So they were on YouTube 
making these videos of talking to professors and finding out the the background of the word the term Eskimo and where it came from and how it all came about and a lot of times when bands receive uh, emails like this they either a dismiss it or b oh no we need to make a change now well I I applaud Electric Callboy for taking the time out to figure out what was actually happening and why they needed to change it and, you know, made a decision to change their name to Electric Callboy. So Nico, who is the current clean vocalist for Electric Callboy, uh, he joined the band in 2020 during the pandemic and was originally a part of the band To the Wolves and Rats, which you should remember from the Valentine Day episode. Since his inclusion in the band, they have released an EP called MMXX, which stands for 2020, and a few singles that veered away from the original sound. Nico, in my honest opinion, is one of the better clean singers in all of metalcore. Um, There's a few people that I still have high on the mountain, but he's pretty close. The former singer, Sebastian Sushi Beisler, uh, went on to create the band Ghost Kid. Go check them out. They're actually kind of cool. Lyrical themes for the band deal with partying, sex, drinking, and other slapstick topics. Uh, the album Rehab, in my opinion, was their attempt to be sincere or to be serious. And obviously that didn't last. My Distortion Dads designated ditties are Final Dance from We Are The Mess, Monster from Crystals, and Pump It, their new release from 2021. So I chose Pump It as my Spotify song. You guys are going to love it. This song has everything that I could possibly want in a song. It's got heavy breakdowns, poppy choruses, fun energy throughout the entire thing. Frankly, I'm a sucker for 80s pop songs. And that's the vibe that I get from this song. It's like Rick Astley... LMFAO and Attila had a baby. It's amazing. It was really hard to choose between Pump It. We got the moves and hypa hypa, but I chose Pump It because this song was my introduction to them. And who'd have thought that a song about working out would be so cool? All right. So the next new to us bands for Metalcore Part 2 is a band called Resolve from France. They formed in 2017 and they have released one album. The album is called Between Me and the Machine. It was released in 2021 after releasing only EPs and singles prior to that. I came across the band Resolve while searching for songs for the Valentine's Day episode. The song Forever Yours almost made my 10-song playlist, but it does make the designated ditty list. (laughs) The band references a desire to one day collaborate with Gojira, also from France, their French metal counterparts. And that Bring Me the Horizons tracks Avalanche and Medicine are big favorites of the band, playing significant parts of inspiration at times in their history. So this this band may be the biggest stretch, we'll say. And as an example of a, a, we'll say, a vision of of how Metalcore could be evolving into, um, it's hard to put this album and band, frankly, into a single subgenre. Uh, but similar to Bring Me the Horizon, if you put them all into a into a blender and uh, Metalcore 2 smoothie would come out. The Distortion Dad's designated ditties for Resolve are Silk and Straw from an LP called Pendulum in 2019. And two songs from their debut album Between Me and the Machine. One song called Seasick Sailor and the other song called 
forever yours. For the song that you'll hear on Spotify, I chose Seasick Sailor. We hear a story about an individual who finds themselves lost and is fighting to get to a better place. The band mentions that early in the writing process, they felt like little sailors who had just embarked on a journey that's bigger than themselves, writing a debut album. Uh, When life feels like an ocean, do you take a deep breath and dive or turn around? Sonically, we hear clean and dirty vocals, very reminiscent of Gojira, if you ask me, uh, but an infectious lead riff over metalcore-style riffs and electronic effects. I think... I think this is a prime example of how Metalcore has morphed into Metalcore 2 and potentially beyond. So check it out. The next new-to-us band is called Hollow Front. They're from Michigan. They formed in 2016. They have released two studio albums. They released the seven-song album Still Life in 2018 and an 11-song Loose Threads album in 2020. They do have more of a gent style sound mixed with synthesizers, uh, but the latter release, Loose Threads, is much more in line with Metalcore 2 with mixes like Loose Threads and Falling Apart. They do have an upcoming release on May 27th of 2022, and the album is called The Price of Dreaming, which currently has three single releases, including Treading Water, Comatose, and the song The Price of Dreaming. On March 10th, 2022, they posted a GoFundMe request for $7,500 after a semi sideswiped their tour van on their way to Portland, Oregon on tour with Fit for a King. All band members were fine. Their merch guy did sustain a, a, sho- a shoulder injury. But yeah, all the band members are fine and they're, they're certainly looking to get back on the road and pay for airfare for their friend to get to uh back back home of course and uh and likely a new vehicle so that they continue on the road and on tour and as of the recording of this episode they have exceeded the requested amount and were donated over eight thousand dollars so far so that's great to hear absolutely the distortion dad's designated deities for hollow front are afflicted from loose threads the song Loose Threads from the same album, and The Price of Dreaming, again, a 2022 pre-album release single. So I chose um, The Price of Dreaming as I was trying to figure out which one I'd like to he- I'd like folks to hear, and the video follows the struggles of, of a ballet dancer actually mm-hmm. trying to fulfill her dreams. Uh, an interview with the band states that the song is about recognizing all of the strides that they're willing to make to turn a dream into reality. Uh, A lot of what comes with that is very hard, right? Financially, mentally, relationship-wise, but you're following your dreams and not wanting to ask, what if? This song really highlights both singers, especially the, the growth of the band incorporating clean vocals. And uh, it's the latest release of theirs, so check it out, The Price of Dreaming. And the last new-to-us band for Metalcore Part 2 is Wolves at the Gate. They're from Ohio, here in the United States. They formed in 2008, so they have been around uh, quite a while, and they have released six albums. Um, for Somehow they got under the radar for me. 
Um, the singer Steve Kabuchi mentions that the meaning behind the name comes from a section of Acts chapter 20 in the Bible, and the first track called We Are the Ones off of their debut album of the same name explains the meaning behind the band's name. So check that track out. In the early stages of the band, one of the first rehearsal and recording spaces was within a funeral home. Very interesting. <laughs> that is weird. The vocalist Steve Kabuchi was also once a high school history teacher. Hmm. And they did just release their the album Eulogies a little over two weeks ago as uh, the recording of this album on March 11th, 2022. In my opinion, this is the most metalcore two of the new-to-me bands that I have chosen. Uh, they've been out for a while, but again, I never came uh, across them, and I'm super glad I did. They're really a great example of Metalcore Part 2, and, and Eulogies is, uh, again, a great offering, so go check out the whole album. As far as the Distortion Dad's designated ditties go, I chose the Aftermath from Types and Shadows, Face to Face from Eclipse, and Shadows from Eulogies. They actually released that song in 2021 as a single. It's the song that you will hear on Spotify. It's the opening track on the new album Eulogies and really sets the tone well. It's about finally finding light in a stretch of darkness. Uh, we have a balance of growls and clean vocals, crushing guitar tones, and supported by subtle synth lines. So here's Shadows by Wolves at the Gate. So now that we have our genre-defining bands, our new-to-us bands from Metalcore Part 2, let's hear what other listeners have to say about some of these band songs. We introduced this segment last episode and have refined it a little bit. Will they like what they hear? We'll find out on Listener Reactions. So from the Distortion Dad's designated ditties, we selected six songs for our participants to listen to four from our genre defining bands and two from our new to us bands, whether they like metal or not, we each chose random participants, get their reactions and read them off live to each other. So the songs that we wound up wanting to get reactions to were death by a thousand cuts by bullet for my Valentine. Last Chance to Dance, Bad Friend by A Day to Remember, Dear Wendy by Attack Attack, Lost in the Moment by We Came as Romans, Temptation by Imminence, and Seasick Sailor by Resolve. We said we refined this segment a little bit, and one of the biggest things we did to refine it was choose the, choose questions. You know, We wanted their reactions, but we wanted reaction to specific questions so that we could talk about it with each other. Of course, we don't know the reactions that from our respective listeners, what were the questions? We had seven of them. The first question we had was how many years have you been listening to metal? Our second question, reasons for listening or not listening to metal favorite genre of any style, the current music on their radio songs or artists. We then ask, what is one word you would describe all of these songs? Just one word. Next would, did you enjoy any of the songs? Which, which uh, song was your favorite? And then lastly, would you listen to more music similar to any song? And we'll start with our first participant with Greg. All right. So this person had no prior experience to metal music. Okay. 
mostly because he didn't like the screaming and the intensity of it. Okay. He typically listens to electronica, oldies, big band jazz ensembles, and classical. Okay. After listening to the first song by Bullet for My Valentine, he enjoyed whenever they would harmonize. Same goes for A Day to Remember. His favorite song was Dear Wendy by Attack Attack. Uh, and the, the electronic the reason, part, right? Exactly, <laughs> because of the electronic part. He found merits in uh, Lost in the Moment in Seasick Sailor, but it was really the Attack Attack song that got him. He also really liked Temptation by Eminence. And it was he said it was interesting because he liked the classical feel to it with the violin and everything. And he wishes that there was more. Awesome. So That's great. Right? Not bad for a guy who's never listened to metal before. No, no experience with metal. Likes a wide variety of things. I think that's going to be common with, with all of them, right? No, right? Not a lot of people just like one type of music. So everyone likes everything, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what they say anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Their interpretation what everything is. But I think that's awesome and right. uh, wants to hear more. So, well, you know. What do you think? Some more, some more attack, attack. Maybe some, maybe yeah. some of the asking Alexandra remix album. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good uh, choice. Maybe uh, you know some electric cowboy. Maybe some more resolve. That might work out pretty well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. So, if he had to summarize all of these bands into one word, it was surprising. Okay. And, you know, coming from a guy who has zero metal experience, it's not surprising. Appropriate. <laughs> yeah. uh, he definitely, he said that he would definitely listen to more for sure. After we're done with this, I'm going to send him more and uh, see what he thinks. Nice. All right. So I'll get into one of mine. This person said they had 25 years of listening to metal. Now, we just say listening to metal, right? We don't give any description of what, what metal is, right? But right. 25 years. And the reasons for listening to metal is working out or blowing off steam. Seems appropriate. The yeah. favorite genre of any style, they said, probably whatever I prevail is. So metalcore <laughs> part two. Nice. As well as uh, Metallica. Metallica's The Black Album was this person's first step into metal. It's a good choice. That's cool. Yeah. The current music on their radio would be, they listed a whole bunch, right? They they listened to uh, Amos Lee. They listened to I Prevail. They listened to Latin Trap. <laughs> and, and they listened to Opera. So it's like, you know, in a day, this person has gone a whole, over <laughs> variety of, of tunes, right? Um, so it was interesting to hear what they what they thought of these. One word that they would use to describe these songs is motivating. Nice, hmm, intriguing. I can see that. Yeah. Um, for for working out or blowing off steam, and you know, some of them have positive lyrics, of course. So the motivating was was cool to see that oh the, they're getting motivated from from these songs wow all right that's a different angle yeah did they enjoy any of them so yes they did we came as romans the song lost in the moment was their favorite and they have since uh, gone on to listen to many more albums from we came as romans 
And they also really liked A Day to Remember. And wow. from the success of this first go-round of metal listener participant and, and the questions, this person has also volunteered for other subgenres. Nice. So I'm pretty excited to uh, to have this person on board going forward. This person hasn't uh, realized what they've gotten themselves into. Have they? I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, been listening to metal for 25 years, so yeah. Um, I think I did share the rest of the list, uh, all the bands that were not on the on these. The only one that they necessarily said that they didn't they didn't enjoy as much as the others was the bullet for my Valentine song, "Death by a Thousand Cuts." Hmm. So, all in all, though. Uh, a good listener reaction. Yeah, no, I like that. All right. So my next listener reaction, uh, this person has been listening to metal on and off for probably the last 15 years. They go into in and out of metal phases. They really like to listen to indie and alt rock stuff. So heavily in their rotation is modest mouse spoon, tame Impala, uh, Broken Bells, a bunch of bands that I've never heard of. Okay. So the if they had to summarize it into one word, uh, it was electronics, which <laughs> is kind of fitting, you yeah. know, for most of those bands. They said that their favorite was Dear Wendy by Attack Attack. So we have two votes for Attack Attack. Really itches a scratch for the EDM for him. He also liked the chord progressions in C6 Sailor. Nice. They said that it kind of evokes an uneasy feeling that he thinks about when being on a boat or whatnot. So that's kind of cool. Uh huh. He really liked the bolt for my Valentine song. Um, wow. Okay. He said it had an awesome chorus and it was very catchy. Yeah, that it is. So he also really liked last chance by uh, a day to remember. He said it was heavier than he remembers the band being uh, in the past, which really says something considering the band kind of got a little lighter as they got older. But uh, I guess it all depends on which song we chose. Yep. But yeah, he said it was very powerful. And then he said he would definitely check out more from all of the bands that we gave him. All right. Nice. So we got to pass on the whole the whole metalcore part two list, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Nice. All right. So my my other one, participant number four, as far as listening to metal, they said they've been listening to basically new metal, we'll say, for 20 or since it came out, basically. Okay. And then for other metal genres, very minimal, hmm. very, very minimal. So um, the reasons for listening to metal, you know, they say to, to emotionally identify with the sound. I think everyone... Uh, I think a lot of people, at least in in some instances, are interested in hearing heavier songs, right? And so we right. can all relate to that. Reasons for listening to metal. A reason for against this person uh, um, says, you know, a lot of it's too loud, it's tense, or they're just not in the right mind frame, which again right. we can all attest to as well. We don't want to. I don't want to listen to metal all the time. I I love it, but. A lot of times I'm in for, for something a little a little different. Yeah. For a favorite genre of any style. I said they cannot pick one. So again, we have we have 
people that are listing multiple genres. I think we need to rephrase the <laughs> rephrase the question. Right. Um, but they mentioned in one sitting they went from listening to Rihanna to listening to Baby Metal to listening to Sam Cooke. Hmm. So, again, a wide yeah. variety depending on wherever this person's mind was taking them at the moment or their, or their playlist. And current music on their radio right now, they're listening to a lot of Latin music and electronic instrumentals for work that they noted as as hypnotic electronic. Hmm. So I will have to check that out as I am not familiar with that. So we gave them the six songs, listened to the songs, and the one song, the one word that they use to describe these songs is hyperdynamic. Okay. <laughs> so nice choice. A little more literal approach to the word choice. Of course, hyperdynamic means it's it's changing a lot, right? It's changing very fast, which right. hey, yeah. Metal in general can change really fast, that's for <laughs> sure. So hyperdynamic was the one word. Did you enjoy any of the songs and do you have a favorite? So they liked and disliked components of basically all of them, except for one song, which they enjoyed all of it. And that song is Lost in the Moment by We Came as Romans. Nice. So we got two two for We Came as Romans <laughs> as favorites as well. Right. And would they listen to any more music similar to any of the any of the bands that that we chose? They'd love to hear more from We Came as Romans attack attack okay and resolve they would definitely listen to more from those three bands nice giving attack attack some love i love it absolutely get the electronic in there and i have passed along the asking alexandria remix album to this person okay and they immediately liked that nice. so <laughs> we're having some success here with our right. listener participants and their reactions and you know similar to the distortion dad's vision right we're just here to share metal music with folks right things Absolutely. that they haven't heard um kind of break through some of those assumptions and just thoughts on metal general thoughts on metal uh from the stereotypes we'll say not liking it or thinking it's all it's all bad and angry music and horrible lyrics but wow these are prime examples of songs that people can really get into yeah they're motivating it's not always going to be this easy no no <laughs> no you're right we're wrapping up metalcore here it's we we found that people we enjoy it quite a bit right we enjoyed going listening to all these bands finding genre defining bands finding new bands to us that rekindled our our love for this subgenre and we shared it with others, and they found that they enjoyed particular aspects of it as well. It's extremely accessible, right, Greg? Right, yeah, absolutely. It is, like Matt just said, it's very accessible, and a lot of that is purposeful. Uh, a lot of these bands are trying to get the biggest fan base that they can to be popular, because frankly, I don't know too many people that just want to make music for the sake of, I'm the only person that wants to listen to it. That's, that's not <laughs> yeah. the whole point of making music, but yeah. the the thing that I loved about this uh, about the subgenre was that Matt and I were sharing bands all the way up until today, like bands that didn't even make the list, uh -huh. and uh, like there's a bunch of them out there. We don't have enough time to be able to, to capture them all. 
lastly, uh, for my summary, I've, I feel that metalcore is in some pretty good hands. I may have been very narrow-minded at the at the beginning of my metalhead journey, but now I've got a new found respect for a lot of these bands. And like I said, I think they're in some pretty good hands with the current bands that are out, the newer bands that are taking the reins of the subgenre and even bands to come. Agree. Yeah. And with specific to metalcore and metalcore part two, you know, the accessibility attracting new listeners with the clean vocals, like you said, with, with purpose and feeling, you know, yeah. there's there's one of the subgenres where you can clearly hear what they're what they're saying, what they're right. singing, of course. And you know, when when you do listen to a lot of these bands, there's positive messages that I don't think gets across. Um, I think it's it's one of the aspects of metalcore that's very underappreciated, or maybe not underappreciated, but just not known how how uh, positive of a message a lot of these bands have and this spans right. back to metalcore one we went over this with bands like hatebreed right like yep. oh hatebreed gosh that's <laughs> got to be a horrible band no i mean they're the songs messaging in those songs are very very positive and overcoming challenges so um like you i'm i'm super happy to see the state of metalcore as it is right now and the new bands carrying the torch so yeah if you've enjoyed our deep dive into Metalcore Part 2, please share with your friends. Like or review our Spotify podcast page. Uh, check out, subscribe, share our Instagram page, again, at Distortion Dads. And again, feel free to post your most enjoyed Metalcore Part 1 or Part 2 band in the comments. Did we nail it on the head? Did we get it wrong? Like, you tell us. This is why we do this. So now, with metalcore over, we have spent months listening to <laughs> listening to bands, listening to songs, planning the episode, and now we get to have a new spin. We have uh, opportunity to pick a new subgenre. We created a set of uh, forty unique metal subgenres, as in case you don't remember, um, with twelve randomly chosen and put on the wheel of subgenres. We spin to see what our next subgenre is going to be. We've already done melodic death metal. Uh, we did metalcore part one and part two. So they have been replaced. I believe melodic death metal was replaced with industrial metal and metalcore was replaced with Christian metal. So now we get ready to, to spin and see what our next homework assignment is going to be. All right, here we go. And it is black metal. Black metal. Oh, boy. All right, so we got black metal. That's cool. Like, I remember listening to a few bands back in the day, Cradle of Filth and Demutable Regear, maybe even uh, Behemoth a little bit, Emperor and Mayhem and all those bands. So, yeah, no, this is going to be very interesting because this is not a crowd pleaser of a subgenre. That's true. We started with two crowd pleasers, <laughs> which was not in, not intentional. Right. It, it's nice it kind of felt that felt that way because maybe that would bring in more fans. But who knows? Maybe uh, maybe black metal will bring in a whole bunch of whole bunch of fans. So 
And let's see, as is uh, typical of our wheel of sub, uh, new wheel of subgenre spin, we like to read a little bit from from Wikipedia, just because it's the easiest one to <laughs> to have information <laughs> on. Black metal is an extreme subgenre of heavy metal music. Yes, that that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Common traits include fast tempos, a shrieking vocal style. Okay, so there we have a first description of the the changes in the in the in the singing. We'll say right. Yep. Heavily distorted guitars played with tremolo picking, raw recording, unconventional song structures, and an emphasis on atmosphere. Artists often appear in corpse paint and adopt pseudonyms. Okay, all yeah. right then. So there's a lot here on history, of course, about the waves. This is another relatively uh, large, we'll say, segment of of metal. There's a lot of history here, probably going back 40 years or so, we'll say. Right. Um, yeah, It. It. this is going to take some work because I know black metal has broken off into other sub sub genres and kind of like metalcore did. But um We've got our work cut out for us because we're not listening to uh, a subgenre that we are we know a, a lot of. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this this subgenre has a big cult following. So if we screw this up, we're gonna upset a lot of people. <laughs> and yeah, we're gonna have to do a little bit of homework as far as which bands are can be considered pure black metal versus some of the other sub subgenres uh, that we have currently listed um we'll probably have to go through and see you know are though are they really sub subgenres or do they still belong with the with the black metal parent subgenre we'll say right um but yeah this will be a a little left turn here and really test out our process for the wheel of subgenre episodes but really looking forward to it Absolutely. It'll be good to listen to something other than uh, metalcore for a little while. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I love the subgenre to death, but I really need a break. Ready for something new. I That's agree. Right. I'm right there with you. So wonderful. Black metal it is. So stay tuned for that, as well as other episodes that we have planned. Some of those include uh, a one-year episode, right? Oh, yeah. A one-year episode. That's right. It, who who'd have thunk that time would pass that quickly? But we're we're getting close. Agree. Yeah, we're looking into a a a listener suggested episode as well. So this one is going to be it's going to deal with metal covers and um, metal bands covering songs. Oh boy! And uh, we're going to have a nice little debate about it. We are. I really like metal bands that cover songs whether they're other metal songs or not metal songs so um i may need to be swayed (laughs) and that's going to be my job and i'm going to do it damn it (laughs) and one of the other ones that we thought might be interesting to some to us and and to some of our listeners we've gotten some of course from the listener reactions they like listening to metal for for working out or blowing off steam and I think it might be interesting to do a playlist themed episode around exercising or working out or what have you, something like that. Running metal playlists. 
we'll we'll see how that goes. But right. more in store, plenty uh, of ideas churning beyond these. And certainly, if you have a suggestion for an episode storyline topic or a theme playlist, please let us know. Yeah, we we can't wait to hear it. And with that, I'm Matt, and I'm Greg, and you're listening to the Distortion Dads. Woo!